you're not that funny. So I know you want like uh, anyone who listens to this podcast knows without a shadow of a doubt that I am the comedy of the pod. Well, because they know that I'm writing in what you're supposed to say to be funny. That's why they know it. There's nothing you've said in three seasons that would evidence what you just said now. I want to go ahead and share all of these documents with anyone who wants to see where I write personally every single one of your jokes. How is that possible? I'm like a comedy writer. How is that possible? I'm so good that I can even predict. And then to make you look good, I laugh really hard at the funny (laughs) joke. (laughs) The audacity. All right. Welcome to another episode of Dive in Justice, the podcast that explores building ideal communities with our less than ideal selves. I'm Delma Jackson. I'm Shandine Garcia. And today, that's mighty white of you. We're going to be discussing social movements for justice versus social movements for just us. We're so excited you're joining us today. We'll be right back. Welcome back. It's been a while. I don't know if our, well, I know our listeners don't know how often we get to connect, but it's been a bit. How have you been? What's going on? It has been a minute. And how am I doing? I, I'm doing okay. I'm doing better than okay. I'm good. Overall, I'm good. Um, just been a lot on my mind lately. Um, this time of year is typically tough for me for a few different reasons. Um, this year has been one of the hardest around Father's Day, my father's birthday, Memorial Day. He was a vet. Um, my parents' anniversary is 4th of July. So it's like, one date after another after another um, that is bringing up um, memories of him, but also a sense of, I think, frustration around just what it means to to be like... uh, Statistically, what it means to be black in this country. Uh, my father wasn't particularly old when he passed away. How old was he? Um, he was bordering on 80. He was um, 76 when he passed. And my father was, um, had just had a long life of, my father had dealt with a lot of health issues across the majority of my memory of him. Um, 
he was in his late thirties when I was born, mid thirties when I was born. And, um, by the time I'm old enough to really start having a lot of solid memories, he was already navigating a lot of heart stuff, et cetera. And, um, part of that was informed by decisions he was making too. Right. And, and so I want to be clear that, you know, he was a long time smoker. He eventually quit. Um, diet was never the best stuff like that. And, you know, that's real. And that's on him to to a large degree, right? The decisions he made around how he consumed and what he consumed, et cetera. Never a big drinker or anything like that, but, you know, definitely made some choices. Um, but still, right, statistically, um, it played out, right? My dad's life expectancy was shorter than some of the other um, white colleagues I have who are older than me and their dads are still around and kicking, whether they made better life decisions or not, you know. And that's been on my mind quite a bit. Even at, when I went to visit the grave site, I was noticing the um, Ages, birth the and death dates yep. Yep. and how relatively short his was. Compared to some, or just in the immediate vicinity of his headstone. Um, and this year, for whatever reason, that piece of this has been more front and center for me, and it's made me uh, angry. I've, I have felt more angry in the last couple months than, than I can remember being in a long time. There's then, on top of that, there's just everyday life shit, you know, that is going to give you reason to also feel angry. And I think the right. biggest you're, thing... Right, you're a black man in Flint. Yeah, 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 <laughs> right. I mean, yeah. um, so there is, um, what's up for me right now is what do I do with that anger? What do I do... When the world tells me it's not okay for me to be angry, um, what do I do with the fact that, for the most part, I find myself often putting my anger aside so that other people around me can feel safe? Um, and where does that anger go? And what does it do to my body? Um, and it feels unfair and understandable in the sense of my blackness and my embodied blackness it just feels unfair that I don't get to be angry period and then in the sense of my embodied masculinity it feels understandable that I don't get to lash out and be angry whenever I feel like it given the history of patriarchy and violence enacted and embodied in men right and you're also a dad and I'm a dad so right. what you're modeling for your children, too. Exactly. Yep. Right. Um, so all of the hats I wear point back to the same thing, which is you don't get to embody anger. And I think, let's be clear, it's not just the hat you wear. It's the fucking hats they fucking put on you. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Um, so I'm I'm considering... 
Um, and you and I had talked about this, and, and I appreciate you naming that. You know, there are men in our life, in our circle, mm-hmm. that are considering making space for these conversations. My homeboys are great at holding space for these conversations as well, right? So I have spaces I can go into with other men and begin to kind of unpack some of this. And I think I'm going to try to find time and space to to do that. Um, I need it right now. Um, My fear is that it's going to come up and out of me at the most inopportune moment one of these days, right? Right, because it doesn't disappear. Like you said, it's not mm -hmm. like when you you put it aside, mm -hmm. it's not like, oh, and then it'll go away somewhere. It's Mm -mm. not. No, it's like holding a a beach ball in the underwater. Yep. You know? And sometimes I feel like I got two hands on it. Sometimes I feel like I got one hand on it. Sometimes I feel like I got a pinky on that motherfucker. And other times you're sitting on it and you're underwater Uh and you can't even breathe while you're trying to hold that motherfucker down. Hold it down. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And what tends to happen historically for me is it it pops up um, and I hit something around Mm me Mm -hmm. and I hurt myself. And then I feel a little better for a short period of time. But then there's property damage or (laughs) bodily damage. And I don't want to live my life... um, feeling like I'm just a supernova waiting to happen every few years or whatever, right? I, I need something else. It's one, thanks for sharing um, yeah. a lot. And two, I, I hear the language around need, but like fuck it, like there's, and maybe this is the wrong word, but like deserve mm. mm-hmm. a right an unapologetic sovereign right to be angry mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and reflecting on the full circle with your father there is no doubt in your mind or my mind that his early death was impacted by the same fucking shit mm-hmm mm-hmm yeah. And if you think about what your body, mind, and heart needs to ensure that you live, it's not fucking smoke less. Mm-hmm. It's not eat better. That's that's a fucking narrative that's um, bullshit shaming that isn't actually addressing the real thing. Mm-hmm. Which is, you have a right to express your anger. Like, root cause, if we were to go all the way back, like, mm-hmm. fuck, mm-hmm. we have a right to live in a world where, you know, <clears throat> we're not navigating bullshit racism 24 fucking hours a day mm-hmm. and patriarchy and toxic masculinity, all the fucking things where you just get to be mad and you're not worrying about what your daughter is witnessing, what mm-hmm. your sons are witnessing, what your mm-hmm. friends and family are witnessing, mm-hmm. and also the impact on them. Like you have to hold all of those things. And I, we were, I was saying earlier, there has to be a bigger word for unfair. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I just keep like, it's colossally unfair, unjust, un like it's something. Mm -hmm. 
you opened with a word, I think it was frustration and even frustration and anger don't seem to hold the power of what it means when you can't release. Sure. Yeah. And it's not like you haven't fucking tried 10,000 other things. You've gone through two fucking punching bags, right? Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> you go to the gym yeah. regularly. You try everything to, to, to have an outlet for it. So the, the, again, the colossal unfairness is fucking bullshit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I really hope you do get to reach out to some of our beloveds because, you know, our circle has got some pretty badass men who you know are going through similar shit. No and doubt. they have got to. Um, they've got to be needing it, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, I mean, that's, I would say that's like for me right now, that's probably one of the largest things that is a through line, right, with everything else just life is bringing. Right. That, that seems right. to be a reoccurring theme. One last thing I'll name. Um, I've been spending a lot of time outdoors, as I tend to do this time of year, taking advantage of the warmth that I don't get to have too much in Michigan. Um Spending a lot of time sitting in meditation. And one of the other things that's coming up for me uh, lately is the realization that, you know, when I first started a practice of meditation, I had become convinced that my personal relationship with whatever larger uh, force, entity, God, Mm -hmm, whatever mm -hmm, name mm -hmm. you want to give it, felt very personal. And what I've realized recently in meditation is that over the course of the last 20 years from the time I started to now, I have depersonalized my relationship to a sense of creator or observer or whatever you want to call it. And Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. um, part of what made me happy in my 20s was the sense that there was some larger thing out here that saw me and cared and was invested in how things played out for me. And somewhere along the way, I think I've become more secular about it mm-hmm. in ways that have stripped away some of what was, for me, a big source of my happiness, mm. right? God became indifferent, mm. strictly scientific, the watchmaker, right? Sets the thing in motion and then hands mm-hmm. off. Mm-hmm. And... I think I embraced some of that out of a sense of um, what feels almost like a westernized um, materialism. Mm-hmm. Um, and not wanting to feel, and this is like hard to admit, right? But not wanting to feel foolish in the eyes of a Western society that mm. says God is indifferent, if at all. Mm-hmm. Um. And so for me, just like within the last week, two weeks, I was sitting in silence, had that occur to me. And it felt like a really profound smack in the face in the, in the best way, right? Um, but an invitation to reconsider. Mm-hmm. An invitation to recognize how far away from that source of happiness I've come. Mm-hmm. And not that I would ever be who I was at 20. That's not the goal. Sure. Right? 
And one of the thoughts that occurred to me in that silence, um, I remember thinking to myself, I can't be who I was at 20. And the internal response was, was, I don't want you as you were. I want you as you are. Yep. Right. Yep. That's the earth holding you right there. Yeah. And so I'm on the precipice of... There's a part of me that's scared to turn away from what I've slowly become over the last 20 years and to turn back to something else. There's a part of me that feels foolish. There's a part of me that's like, how do you know this is even real? And the response I keep getting is, what difference would it make if it makes you a better person? Right. And mm-hmm. I always feel clear when I'm guided by something bigger because the answers are always self-evident and very succinct. I can never be self-evident and succinct. <laughs> it's just not a strength that I have. I sure should. I'm not going to listen to my own advice. It's got to oh, have some no. other. It's right, got to right, feel right. like. Yeah. And, and that's how I distinguish what feels bigger than me from what feels like my own. Mm. Right. Um, it's always very clear. Um. So that feels like a big deal. It's a huge deal. Um, so I'm holding that too. And I think part of why that came up just now for me was I think there's a connection between the anger mm-hmm. and what I'm naming right now. Mm-hmm. And I think part of what's going to help me navigate my anger stuff is getting back to the pieces that made me feel much larger than any particular issues or observations I might encounter. And I've gotten smaller in the last 20 years in a lot of ways, I think. So that's me (laughs) right now. That's a lot. (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) That's a lot. Um, But yeah. Oh, man. Well, I just had, I took off, took off, that's a weird term since I'm my own I'm, I'm my own boss a couple weeks of work not a couple weeks but about um, 10 days to do um, we just led this with a bunch of people this huge beautiful racial justice institute um, that was culminating in as you know a, a retreat it was a couple days with all the fellows who were funded and then a couple days with all of the amazing, beautiful facilitators and speakers. And then post that, um, so I was going straight, you know, I drove up from Albuquerque to do that. And then that was going to be four days. And then after that, it was going to be another five days of doing um, a retreat with a mentor of ours. I was going to my brothers on a retreat from Portland to Idaho. Mm -hmm. And I got COVID on day two. No. Yeah. On day two. So I was able to go to one of essentially this, these 10 days that I had planned. Mm. Um, and it was like missing the fucking Super Bowl. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, certainly I'm not the quarterback, but I was definitely a fucking starter. <laughs> I know my, a lot of my crew would disagree with me and be like, that's the wrong metaphor. You're probably the fucking coach or something. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Or the owner of the team. I don't know. Team owner. Yeah, yeah. like I don't fucking yeah, yeah. know. Um, it was fucking brutal. Mm-hmm. 
And it was a particularly brutal strain. I mean, I am grateful that I was able to get the vaccine and that the vaccine did focus on I, I, this, the science that I'm understanding on like lungs capacity and breathing. And so the first time I had COVID, I mean, it fucking killed my lungs. This mm. time it was just brutal fatigue, body ache, fever, and vice grip headaches, right? But, but so I could breathe at least, I had that from going for me. But honestly, I was quarantining every single day with my entire crew mm-hmm. because there was no way I could fucking navigate my way home. Mm-hmm. There was no way I could, and, and everyone was fucking beautiful and supportive and loving. And I, every day when I could drag myself into the shower, I just fucking cry. And I didn't even have the energy. And I know everybody would have done this because everybody kept asking and texting. They're like, you can just come and like gather outside and you could just sit far away and you could just see or like, well, like maybe we could put a speaker so you can hear. I couldn't even lift my fucking arm, much less try to participate. And so to miss my Super Bowl, I hate sports metaphors, but I don't have another one for right now. <laughs> um, fucking was the worst Hmm. was the worst so there was a lot of i have a one of my beautiful brothers scott when things are hard for him physically like when he's in physical pain Mm -hmm. he always leans into the the lesson of it and the teaching of it and what is what is what's i'm not that i'm not that good a person i was just fucking bitter like i wasn't like what is the silver lining and how does this make me a better human and maybe it was a good thing because blah 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 Fuck that, man. It just mm. was the worst. Mm-hmm. And I can look at silver linings. I was surrounded by people who loved and cared for me. Everyone made sure I was okay. You know, like, you know, people even delayed a trip to help me, help me make it from one place to the other. Like, to mm-hmm. to make sure I could make it to from Portland to Idaho okay. And everyone, you know, everyone was lovely and compassionate and gracious. And it was just fucking hard mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um it was just really hard i missed everything and then came back and that was it was actually beautiful to come back and also have the same care because one of my brothers drove home with me across the country to make sure i was gonna make it there okay and um and then of course you know went straight to my source went to like the water that came out of the earth to help heal me and that was wonderful but all my um my immune system was fucking shot. So then mm-hmm. I get another 24-hour bug that's ravaging Albuquerque right now. And I'm mm. all, seriously? Seriously? Yeah, so I really didn't come back up fully, fully for air. Until, what's today, Friday? Until, like, Wednesday, yesterday? Wednesday or Thursday mm. that I haven't okay. been back fully. I was terrified because I don't... It's embarrassing to say, but like, I don't have many superpowers, Hmm. but two that I fucking rely on is Mm -hmm. I read like the wind. I read fast and Mm -hmm. I'm an annoyingly fast processor. Those were gone for like Mm -hmm. 10 days. And Mm -hmm. I was telling people, I was like, it's not like I lost my right arm. It was like both of my legs were cut off Mm -hmm. and... I lost the, you know, an eye and an ear. You know what I mean? Like it, mm-hmm. and the fear of not being able to get that back. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Was, it was like flowers for Algernon. Swear to God. Oh, my yeah. God. That's exactly what it was like. Yeah. Yeah. That, oh, it's going to go away. And then what? Yeah. Was, um, I, I didn't have panic attacks, but I definitely had panic because I had all these sure. books that I brought with me. And so I'd open it up and I would read five pages and it would take me forever to read them. And then wouldn't even remember what I just read. Mm-hmm. I couldn't then have to go back. You're like, oh, right. That's what, that's what the character, fuck. Mm-hmm. And then I just start crying. Mm-hmm. There isn't anything you can do about it. Yeah. And so that was, that's pretty awful. So I'm behind in everything, everything. Everything, every fucking deadline, every fucking project, every everything. And I was so grateful because one of my beautiful friends, Beth, said to me once, because I do a lot of work with a philanthropy um, in like helping support folks in philanthropic spaces. She's like, there are no emergencies in philanthropy. There just aren't. And it's her husband tells her that all the time when she gets frantic because she's in that world. And I just held on to that with everything I could. Mm-hmm. There are no, I'm, I'm not in crisis response teams. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even if I was, a fucking well-designed crisis response team would have a sustainability mechanism that's there. So that like, you know, I, I, I talked to one of my brothers, Khalif, about we, we tease each other and we tell each other, you're not that important. Mm-hmm. Nor should we be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it's a lot of fucking lessons that I was not in the mood to fucking learn. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. you know, thinking about our last episode, what a fucking privilege that I have to be surrounded by humans who I would step in front of a train for and they would for me and they did. And it was I, I, I couldn't have survived. There's just no mm-hmm. fucking way. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and now I'm. Bitter as fuck anytime, and I'm sure I did it too, but I'm bitter as fuck about anytime someone says, like, well, in this post COVID era, we are not motherfucking in a post COVID mm-hmm. era. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. At all. And if I have mm. to be in a bedroom by myself for another fucking second longer, I'm a fucking jump off a cliff. I swear to God. One time someone came to check in on me, masked themselves up, and opened the door, and I was laying on the floor. Mm. And he's like, what are you doing? I was like, I just can't be on this fucking bed. I can't do it a second longer. Like, mm-hmm. but why are you on the floor? I was like, because now that I'm here, I can't, I literally can't get back up. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to be here, like on the floor. <laughs> this is where I live now. Yeah, this is my home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So don't put the food on the, you know, side table. Just put it on the floor next to me and I may mm-hmm. eat some of it. I may roll over on my side. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. And put something. a straw there. Uh huh. <laughs> Uh-huh. Yeah. Can you no, liquefy this? Please. Yeah. It, yeah. No, it was, it was, and yeah. then to depend on people, like, you know, that's, talk about the anti-superpower. I, I, it just. You're the worst. I'm the fucking worst. You're the worst. So like, sometimes I wouldn't even tell people I'd be fucking starving and everyone is all upstairs, like doing their thing and they would forget and I would just be like, it's okay. I'll just wait until someone notices I fucking haven't eaten. <laughs> I know. Don't even look at me that way. I know. But I also didn't want to interrupt everybody. I know. I, the paternalism is the worst. So two things. Uh, <sighs> first of all, 
I hope that when I personally would reach out to you, it happened to be at the same time other people were also asking. <laughs> because otherwise, you full of shit. Because <laughs> I know I made it a point to check in on you a few times a day. Yes. And sometimes you wouldn't even respond. And I was fine with that because I figured somebody else had probably just hit her up. Or I can't reach good. the phone or someone had me. No, there was a moment. There was a window. I think you all were huddling or doing something and it was or like had all jumped up to get dinner and then we're huddling or, or lunch and got something and we're doing something. And I was like, I know they're fucking busy, but God fucking damn it. I'm hungry. <laughs> I know. I know. It's my journey. The And then I was thinking about the whole ancestor conversation we're having. And I think there's a connection here and I'm going to fuss a little bit and leave it at this. Um the only way I think we get to be good ancestors um, is to have the opportunity to show up in our lives in ways that inform how we will show up as ancestors. And when we are denied the opportunity I'm seeing you. to show up from one another. I just want our listeners to know that you gave me the stink eye in that moment. Oh, yeah. Um, My grandmother was a cook and um, has spent years just cooking, not only at a school she worked at, but also was kind of the person who, if it was a Sunday and you didn't feel like cooking, you knew you could stop at Mildred's house Mm -hmm. because she already had had it. Mm -hmm. And she cooked as though she had been expecting you. Right. Just Mm -hmm. the sheer amount of food she would Mm -hmm. put down and not just on Sunday, but like on a regular basis. And if enough people didn't come by, then somebody had to go out and take whatever she made to these folks. Right. So it didn't go bad. Right. And so much of her love language was rooted in feeding people and in food. Right. Um, so when I think about when my grandmother in me hears you say I'm downstairs hungry and I'm not reaching <laughs> out, there's an anger she feels. Yeah, fair. Because you you've denied someone's love language, right? And so I really need you to get over yourself. It's what it's what my brother Jonah, we've been exploring this and have not fully impacted. And I'm begging him to write an essay on it because he's a beautiful writer about paternalism. Mm-hmm. Because we talk about it to our clients. I don't use that language, but to the leaders that we're working with, with the, with mm-hmm. the people we serve. Like when leaders of organizations think they're, they know what's best for the people they're serving mm-hmm. and don't make visible the rationale behind their decisions or their actions or whatever, as though we wouldn't understand them. Mm-hmm. The hypocrisy is not lost in my inability to ask for help. Good. I just would rather... <clears throat> Have the lessons on my timeline. <laughs> of course. We all would. <laughs> I don't want it to come up and fucking hit me in my face like this. Yeah. 
because yeah, like, like I like I talked about my my beloved Scott, like he leans into the lesson in the worst time, which is what a, you know an enlightened, beautiful human should do. I and my shitty ass self, I'm like, I don't want the fucking lesson right now. Fuck Can you I? Fuck you and your lesson. Yeah. Fuck you and your yeah. lesson and the yeah. motherfucking horse you rode in on. Just, yeah. just, yeah. It's you know, I, and I, I'm not going to get into today, but I, you know, again, I was in the middle of another massive thing. Uh, you know, some domestic terrorism shit. I struggle to ask for help. Mm-hmm. And in that conversation, in those conversations. The, the the real lesson is who who am I to deny? Who am mm-hmm. I to deny? Mm-hmm. And that's so shitty. So on top of recovering from COVID, now I have all these motherfucking lessons to fucking be and grow and be a better human. God damn. Yeah. Give me a fucking break. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Give me a fucking break. You know, my son really helped me with um, when I was at a moment where I'm not quite feeling sorry for myself, but close. I hate sure. spending time feeling sorry for myself. I, it, it, like, I can't stand it. It makes me just feel physically dirty. And I was telling him, like, I, I, I miss the fucking Super Bowl. And he said something so beautiful. I thought he was going to be like, I know, mom, but blah, blah, blah. He was like, yeah, join the rest of the fucking world, mom. Mm -hmm. I got COVID on my birthday. Zay had to cancel a huge camping trip that he planned on. He's like, I knew a woman who was stuck in Ireland over Christmas. I Like, he Mm -hmm. used to give me this list of people, like, and things. It actually made me feel less terrible. (laughs) I don't know Mm -hmm. if it's that misery loves company, Mm -hmm. but for some reason, it just... I just lifted just a moment. I'm like, all right, all right, all right. So I'm not special. Everybody fucking else gets it. And, and then he said, at the same time, you should feel sorry for yourself. Mm -hmm. It fucking Mm -hmm. was terrible. It was terrible Mm -hmm. that that happened. Yeah. So I'm bionic for the next two months, which is good because, you know, I'm moving into a a new home in Albuquerque. So I got that going for me. Congrats on that. (laughs) gonna be huge oh you and yours have got your room it's gonna be set up (laughs) you have to convince you yeah the fuck you'll be getting my amazon order soon enough (laughs) yeah so that's that's my check-in boom when we come back shandine and i will discuss what it means to embody the very sorts of ideas, practices, systems that we are trying to dismantle. Or as my uh, dad would sometimes say, um, when I did something that felt, you know, paternalistic or when I did something that he thought was a little um, beneath me, you know, he would say, oh, that's mighty white of you, son. (laughs) We'll be right back. Thank you for giving Diving Justice a listen. We recognize that your time is the most valuable currency you have. If you're digging the pod, there are a couple of things you can do to show your support. First, head over to your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review. It just takes a few seconds of your time. And every review helps us grow our listenership and broadens the conversations we can have together. The second thing you can do and should do 
is consider supporting the podcast by visiting our Patreon page at patreon.com slash dive underscore in underscore justice. Welcome back. Thanks for sticking with us. Um, yeah, so my my dad was good for that. Um, or if he heard someone telling a story, and um, within that story, there's the idea that, you know, I'm doing somebody a big favor and I should be thanked. And my dad thought that was a little preposterous or whatever. You know, he was quick to say, you know, that's mighty white of you, or that was mighty white of them or whatever. And Shandine, to your earlier point in the check-in, when you talked about the paternalism that you um, embody sometimes and, and struggle to kind of uproot, I think part of what I wanted to discuss today, um, there's a macro and there's a micro, right? And so on a macro level, I can understand that what it means when Shandine embodies a sort of paternalism is going to look very different from when some like well-meaning, wealthy white dude embodies a sort of paternalism. The impacts, the ripple effects, the consequences, the implications are um, statistically far more reaching, right? Okay. And so on a macro level, I I look at some of the systems we move through and work in, and I want to say to folks, hey, stop doing that thing you're doing. Even as I recognize how often I have some of the same tendencies, it's just that who gets impacted is reduced because I'm less resourced, I'm less connected, I'm less et cetera, Right. So on a macro level, there is something in that that I'm struggling with. But then as we drill down and think about the trajectory of a lot of social movements, we see some of those same dynamics play out. And it becomes this thing of, you know, do as I say and not as I do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Kind of vibe. Um, when I was younger and first got hip to all things blackity black, <laughs> um, <laughs> I or informed about what things like you were probably hip to the things blackity black, but didn't know because uh-huh. it, it wasn't labeled, right? Because it's not like your parents were telling you that. Oh, no, 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 no. And so, I mean, like, in undergrad, after I read all of, like, a book. (laughs) um, (laughs) Listen, it was a very important book, though. Um, I, that's when the anger came, and that's when I got all self-righteous and shit. And I remember going on a bus to drive down to Cincinnati for a protest march against the um, courts who were looking at affirmative action at the University of Michigan. And I was young, 
you know, I'm in late teens, early 20s. I'm on the bus. The bus is full of people from the state of Michigan. We're all driving down to this uh, court in Cincinnati. I knew some of these folks. I went to school with some of these folks at Eastern. But there were also plenty of folks on this trip I had met, didn't know them. Um, and we were three, four, five buses deep driving down here to be a part of this march. I'm on the bus fighting for justice. <laughs> right? My partner at the time and I were having some tension. So I just up and decided to not really sit with her, not talk to her too much anymore. And then in the midst of that, did my best to pick up three, four, five phone numbers. Hmm. Not with the intention of building a movement. Oh, I'm aware of where you're going with your very healthy reaction to an argument with your with your girl. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I had every intention of building something. Oh, yeah. You That's know? clear. Yeah. It's called backup. Exactly. Um, plan B. No, like plan plan A.1. <laughs> like, I ain't even like I'm just straight up about to cheat. I ain't even got the heart to break up with you. I'm going to just go over here and do some other shit. At no point did it occur to me at 19, 20. At no point did it occur to me that while I'm on the bus for justice, I am doing something incongruent with the very values that I'm driving down to Mars. Yeah, it's mighty white of you. It was mighty white of me. Right. The idea that women in general have to navigate a world of patriarchy, sexism, etc. Hadn't even really landed on my radar yet. Wasn't something I was cognizant around. Mm -hmm. And had you tried to tell me, hey, what you're doing fits into a larger structure yeah, of Yeah, you're injustice. contributing to, yeah, yeah. And like, how can you look uh -huh. at yourself in the mirror being like this and yeah, 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 yeah. while you're on this justice bus, for sure. Yeah, like, I don't know that I would have received that, Well, honestly. of course not. You were like 19 and 20. But what about now? Well, now I see it. No, I'm like, what about, like, obviously you see it now. I'm saying, what about behaviors now? What's what's the parallel to now? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So <clears throat> nowadays, I am at my whitest. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I am peak white. Uh, my, when my least melanated. My least melanated. <laughs> I am demelanated. <laughs> I am Michael when, Jackson to yeah, the core. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For real, for real. <clears throat> what what my man saying to Boondocks, Uncle Rocky, he said, reverse vitiligo. There you go. Okay. There you go. Um, I am in the throes of reverse vitiligo when I am feeling, and I borrow that word you use so often, reflensive. Mm-hmm. When I get feedback that I've said or done something homophobic, sex, sexist, etc., the urge to tell 
whoever is sharing that with me, giving me that feedback, the urge to tell them why they're wrong without even considering fully what they're saying can sometimes feel almost overwhelming. (laughs) (laughs) To sit on your hands and fucking gag yourself. Somebody bring me one of those sex toy balls from Pulp Fiction and just just strap me up right right, now. And even that may not stop. I might still be able to kick them in the shin. Right. Right. Um, I got to push you on that, man. I don't think that's reflensive. I think that's full on defensive there. No, 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 no. And I was going to say, like, oftentimes in recent history, (laughs) I can catch myself getting defensive. Mm. Maybe I start to say something and then I stop myself. Maybe I stop myself before I even start to say something. I don't think I can recall lately going full-blown defensive. You're wrong. Right, right. This is why I'm right. Just your fucking hole. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Shove them to the floor. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I can't recall more recently going full on defensive. Um, And so I am uh, getting better, but it's still there. It's still there. Um, And with each year, with every workshop, with every facilitation I do, I, in my mind, imagine that it pulls me further away from getting things wrong in the future. can't be what you're saying I am. I just recorded the podcast <laughs> yesterday with Sean like, I'm a fucking warrior. I'm showing my human. My growth is exponential. <laughs> and how does that not make everything I just said okay? <laughs> Whatever bullshit I just said to you, why is it not okay? Right. Go listen to the podcast and leave me alone. You know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I am at my whitest when that comes up uh, for me. Um, I think I'm at my most manly when I... Sometimes when I talk to my my love, Rita, we'll do check-ins and I feel like sometimes I'll notice how succinct hers was. Whereas mine was just a stream of consciousness. <laughs> and I can't help but often wonder sometimes, like, is this is this what a dick does? <laughs> Should she be saying more? Should I be saying less? Right, like there's right, right. there's something Where's here. The dis- why is this incongruent? <laughs> <laughs> help me out, babe. Let's let's talk about that. You know? Yeah. I think if I were to think about when am I my most white, 
part of it's always around money, as you all know from the last episode. Mm. Like the guilt mm-hmm. I feel about leaning into capitalism. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do get both defensive and not reflensive, unless forced to be around it. But my zero to ten on some shit, mm-hmm. um, and I'm I'm terrified to say this example because I know this person listens to the podcast uh, <laughs> religiously. Um, and I actually praised her for this yesterday on a call. I don't remember what the fuck reason it was, but I had I had I was able to go to a meeting and then for some reason I wasn't able to. And so the day of I hit no and they assumed I could be there. <clears throat> and that impact was I didn't think it was going to be a big deal. Mm. But man, she sent me the most beautiful and loving accountability message mm. of like, don't fucking do that shit. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like for future, I went from zero to 10 in my, I, I, can't, like, I can't even say it. I'm so embarrassed to be like, motherfucker, you know my fucking life? Like I tried to fucking, like, just do, whoosh, like zero to 10. And I was like, God damn, Shandine, you piece of shit. You talk a big game. <laughs> and of course I didn't respond that way. Of course I was like, like, of course, I'm so sorry, blah, blah, blah. Help me accountable, right? Like all the things. Mm-hmm. If she were to have seen inside my soul in that mm-hmm. moment, mm-hmm. I, I, like, I don't even know that she would ever look at me ever again. I think that would be the end of us, the end of everything, the end of all that I do. And she is like the most beautiful, caring, kind, loving human mm-hmm. saying, don't fucking do that shit. And because we're in relationship, she could say that to me. And that's right. That's another that's another piece of it. Right. So part of it is who is who is holding us accountable mm-hmm. also gets me a little bit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think part of the hypocrisy when we think about what we're trying to do, what makes it worse. It'd be one thing if I were a fucking plumber, right? Or if I were, uh, uh, I don't know, give me some innocuous uh, profession. Innocuous. Like unrelated to social justice unrelated to to preachy right if i were a, 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 oh i see yeah yeah, a, yeah. A, like you worked at um an right office age. you were the administrative assistant right or, right right yeah. if i were like if i you know were a, a, a tax accountant or some shit yeah. like that <clears throat> that's fine but i'm out here preaching a thing yeah i'm talking a game around Love and care and sovereignty and solidarity and how you make the world better by being a certain way. Mm -hmm. And when I show up the opposite of that and then Mm -hmm. someone calls me out on it. Mm -hmm. That's fucking mighty white of me when I jump in my mind and my heart to being defensive about it Mm -hmm. and not even at mm -hmm. even even as we're telling white folks to listen and stop being defensive. Yes. Yes. Which is, right. which is part of that invitation to be like, okay, now we actually, it's like, I'm, I'm at the point where I'm like, we get to be defensive. We just need to name it and work through it. Yeah. Right. Agreed. And, but even that, but even that, like, why is that fucking defensiveness coming up? Why am I not like 
open to beautiful, loving critique, much less the bullshit critique that comes in. Like, I know I, I've got my crew enough to help me hold off the bullshit critique. Yeah. But the real critique, man, that fucking is like a kidney punch. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so much of our image of ourselves, I think any uh, anyone who does work on behalf of others, um, on behalf of justice, I think so much of our self-image um, and so much of, like, why you and I even started this podcast, right, was around, like, how mean we can be to one another on this side of the political spectrum. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's a constant proving ground. And so it makes sense that it then develops people who are naturally defensive because to acknowledge what we see over and over again is if I acknowledge the ways in which I get it wrong, um, I can be excommunicated. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I can be blacklisted. I could look around and lose everything. Everything. And so I want to have my resume memorized. Yeah, let me show you how I am not Mm -hmm. the thing. Let Mm -hmm. me prove to you that I am Mm -hmm. not the thing that you're saying. Yes. Yeah, exactly. It reminds me of this soapbox I get on about tribal government. Hmm. We t- and this is hard for me to say because a less discerning listener can take a snippet of what I'm going to say and use mm-hmm. it badly. Mm-hmm. I believe to my core tribal sovereignty matters. And I believe to my core, tribal governments are fucking toxic as fuck. Mm. Mm-hmm. Because they're modeled on the fucking government of the United States. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we have Robert's Rules of Order. We mm. operationalize blood quantum. We are so fucking male-centered and homophobic and like I said, I can't remember if I said it in a, in a class we were on or an RJI thing, like I knew the N-word in three indigenous languages mm-hmm. before I was six years old. Mm-hmm. And I don't even mm-hmm. know my own language. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> the um, the degree to which these muscles of ours or we've been saturated in this I don't I don't see it, it like the exponential way we're doing this I I haven't seen the counters that invite us to interrupt it that have love and compassion and honesty around it. They just have the um, the two by four approach. Mm. You hypocritical piece of shit. Mm-hmm. Not the. I can see where this is coming from. 
Let's talk about that. And how can we interrupt that? You're operating with blinders. I get that you give you you care about black humans, care about something else too. Or do you understand that your blinders are perpetuating? Uh, you only allowed this piece of the pie that fucking genocide and colonialism has created for us the divide and conquer that once we isolate you that's how we're going to win the the approaches around mending this trajectory of meanness to each other aren't ever present i'm not saying that's an excuse like there we have no business Operating with blinders. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you and I mm-hmm. both fucking do it. I did it to you the first two fucking years of our relationship. Mm-hmm. And I'll find myself slipping into it and doing it to you again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's the the concept that, that I mentioned earlier, which is the social movements for justice or social movements for just us. The, my mm-hmm. soapbox is sacred and precious to me. So I'm going to just beat the shit out of you while I'm on top of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And even as I feel like I have grown in interrupting that, particularly in our relationship, I'll, I'll, it'll rear its head. Of course. And it is embarrassing to say all of that out loud. And I think that embarrassment is rooted in um, the fact that we don't get too many chances to practice owning the complexity of these relationships, of this work we do, right? Um, It's not common yet to acknowledge the ways in which I can be both full of shit and self-righteous simultaneously. Yes, yes, yes. Um, And for everything I observe, just about everything I observe on others, I could probably find in myself if I'm being honest with myself. Mm. And I don't mean the extreme shit. I was about to say, wait a minute, wait a minute. Okay, good, good good I don't mean the extreme examples, right? Um, but the more subtle mm-hmm. ways in mm-hmm. which we cut into one another or demean one another, mm-hmm. um, the thoughtlessness, mm-hmm. right? Those are the areas that I'm very aware that I can embody just as easily as someone else, right? Now, the difference is, Not only did I want to excavate that in myself actively, but I invite and have been fortunate and, and met with a community of people who are also actively trying to do the same, right? And yeah. actively looking to acknowledge it and, and, and excavate it and, and hold ourselves accountable. And I know everybody ain't into that yet. <laughs> Let's be clear. You know? well, well, who wants to be into it? Hey, Come at me with shit I need to grow at. Yeah. Hey, right. hold my ass to the fucking fire. I just talked. My opening was like how I don't want that fucking lesson right now. I want that lesson on my own fucking timeline. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That the 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 context. Sorry. The theory 
of intersectionality is beautiful. Mm-hmm. The practice of intersectionality is messy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And I think part of white culture tells us that if something's messy, then it's wrong. Yes. Right. And if something and is hard, seek comfort. Yeah. You were saying that you've been having conversations about how the ego is slick. What did, mm-hmm. what did you mean by that? No matter how much work I do to try to recognize it, that little fucker will like come around <laughs> the side and be like, you doing such good work trying to recognize your ego. <laughs> like it don't matter. It doesn't seem yes. to matter what I focus on. That yes. bastard has a way of coming around the side and saying, aren't you the shit? Yeah. So it can be received well when you know that person is tied to your liberation. Mm-hmm. Period. I think about that both in like love partner relationships mm-hmm. a lot. And I think about that in the people who I am the closest to. Mm-hmm. What I hope is true is the people who are giving me that critique, whatever it is, are also holding grace for my slick ass ego. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I, it's hard because we navigate a world where they are rooting for us to fall. And I don't mean the left. I mean, I don't mean the right. I mean the left. Yeah. Yeah. And so when you've got both of those competing feels, it's hard to walk that tightrope. So you've got the beauty of the people holding you and, and, and tied to your liberation. And so you're trying to practice and lean into it when you've got the rest of the fucking assholes who are screaming Oh, you're such a hypocrite. You act like you do this, but then we see you do this. And there's a crack in your fucking pedestal, which motherfucking, I didn't even fucking build the pedestal to begin with that you fucking put me on. So go fuck yourself to begin with. Number one, number two, all of that energy that I just said is the shit that comes up when even my beloveds are saying some stuff that I have to counter all of that. And remember, that's not their framing. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and ego yeah. is present across all of it. Come on. When I zoom out and I think about the black power movement. As a black man, all I can see is that I haven't had access to resources for the last several centuries. All I can see is that masculinity is equated with leadership and I feel a lack of access to that. And that chip from your 19 year old self just continues to grow. 
back. Yeah. It like it, it reappears and goes back into its lo- the space of comfort on mm-hmm. your shoulder. Mm-hmm. 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 And you and you lean into the feel of that weight. Yeah. Yeah. So as a black woman, if you come to me and say, hey, what about my needs? Mm-hmm. In my mind, there's not enough room for both of us to address both of these things. Let's add more. A black woman who has a disability. A black woman who is trans and has a disability. With every layer. Yes. Right. We're getting further and further away from the identity that I embody. And I don't have time or space or interest in making what already feels complex even more complex with all of this shit you bring into bear. Mm-hmm. So wait your turn mm-hmm. becomes the message. Mm-hmm. And what an asshole you are from their perspective that you can't expand your level of work to include that. And in my perspective, you an asshole for complicating my shit. Yeah, and we're not reflensive, and then we're just defensive as fuck. Now we're just all all in. I remember it when I was in my late 20s, early, early 30s. I was trying to push against the racist uh, College of Education, University of Oregon in Eugene, because um, they were just gunning for the indigenous teachers there who I was, or pre-service teachers that I was working to support. So we, you know, of course, had to shut it down. But it took us a bit to get there. So, you know, movement building, we had this huge, huge march um, where we thought we were still clever. We all wrote messages to the president of the university on postcards, and we all marched up to Johnson Hall and just delivered. Like, mm-hmm. And they were all violations of our rights, essentially, mm-hmm. on uh, like all of these postcards. And I was so fucking proud mm-hmm. of like what we had done and what we were accomplishing. And like, you know, I was in it. And this wasn't like, uh, let me be clear. I wasn't like 19 or 20. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I had two children and I'm in mm-hmm. my early 30s. Mm-hmm. And I remember, and I was building solidarity. And I was working also with uh, folks who are disabled and damned if they didn't beat my fucking ass because mm. I wasn't tending to, it was like a two foot um, step up onto a sidewalk where we were crossing mm. that I, that I hadn't fucking mm-hmm. paid attention to. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> the invitation wasn't tied to my liberation to be fair, not like, mm-hmm. as I'm saying, even defensively now, it was a what about me? Mm-hmm. What about us? I can't fucking help you on this goddamn march if I can't get up the goddamn sidewalk. They weren't fucking wrong. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, God damn, I can't fucking do it all. Jesus, mm-hmm. fuck. Mm-hmm. I didn't have the space to say that is beautiful fucking feedback. It's now going to inform everything moving forward for every other march that I fucking do. Which, you know, I mean, I'm still remembering and thinking about the lesson today. And I think about that now a lot if I ever were to do, you know, future marches. And I and I tell the story a ton when when I'm coaching other folks and I'm still defensive Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. and I'm embarrassed to say it.
I was looking to do something intersectional around black identity and queer um, identity at a university, and I was going to work with a white woman who led the queer identity office on campus at the time, and I made this flyer. I liked my flyer. She hated my flyer, said the flyer was steeped in stereotypes around queer identity, and I needed to redo it. She pointed out where she thought it was problematic. I went back, changed the flyer, went to her a second time. She offered even more critique than I think she did the first time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to double click on that shit. <laughs> and, by, and by the time I left her office the second time, the idea that she's being too sensitive... Mm. crept up in my head. Mm. And once it crept up in my head, it took quick roots, and I got angry. And before I could make it from her office back to my own, I had come full circle and understood where I was wrong and how fucked up it was that totally. I had even allowed myself to, to go down that path totally, or whatever. Totally. Um, and it never changed the fact that I felt defensive. Yeah. And I feel defensive retelling it now. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, I don't like getting it wrong. There is. N- of course. And I say defensively, not reflensively or reflexively. There are too many motherfucking isms. Mm -hmm. There is no way on this earth we can get this right. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. So how do you normalize the fact that we're going to get it wrong, right? And make space for us to not only acknowledge it, but learn what we need to in the moment to be able to get something accomplished and take with us the resources to learn more on our own time with the understanding that I may never look at every one of these fucking resources because I'm already overwhelmed. Here's the battle that we talked about earlier. Um, When we name where we fuck up on these client calls, Mm -hmm. the risk of them not asking us back Mm -hmm. amounts to me not being able to pay for my child's tuition. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and, And the example, I'll give the example from 12 days ago, 15 days ago. I was, I had a client and we were doing a, a beautiful, I was so proud of this. We were, my whole team just rallied to do a presentation on accessible communications. So it was like the font you should be using, the colors you should be using, the way you should show up, the like strength-based language. Like it, it was a, it was, I learned a fuck ton about it mm-hmm. on the call. Um, I was supposed to, during my introduction, also say, 
you know, my name and my role and my pronouns. I was also supposed to say like what I looked like in case Mm. there were folks who couldn't see, but were just listening. Mm -hmm. So I was supposed to say like, I'm wearing black glasses. I've got, you know, hair that it's got highlights, even though I've tried to hide the gray, it makes it actually look more gray. So joke (laughs) is on me. I'm wearing a hoodie. Like I was supposed to do the whole thing. And I forgot. Cause I was mm-hmm. so nervous and I was mm-hmm. trying to do right by this client and it was a big deal. And there was lots of people on the call about halfway through something happened and I can't remember what happened. Oh, Oh, we had it. We, we had like a, five of us or four of us were speaking it was me and then three others. And this one person who was supposed to be presenting one of my beautiful dear friends was trying to present from in the airport. She's in a broom closet at the airport and she got mm. knocked off Wi-Fi just as she was about to go on. And so I used that moment to correct myself. I'm going to say, well, I'm going to use this moment in real time to show perfectionism isn't the goal. I fucked up. I don't think I said fuck because it was with the client call. But um, let me recorrect what I didn't do earlier. Every fucking second I was doing it, I wasn't grounded in my self and my own sovereignty and my own like trying to do this beautiful modeling of all I was thinking was because I wasn't lead on this account was thinking was they're going to be so fucking mad at me that I pointed Mm -hmm. out that I fucked it up and this is risking one of the largest clients we have that tension is so fucking real. So not only do we have the ego, not only do we have the, like our own people do this to us. Not only do we have that it takes fucking decades of deep relationship to get to a place where we can be tied to each other's liberation. I now got to be fucking faced with. And if you do live this way, you may not get paid tomorrow. Yeah. Now to honor my team in case any of them are listening They were beautiful. They beautifully received it and didn't at all come at me with, what the fuck were you thinking? They Mm -hmm. were like, beautiful modeling, appreciate the weight, blah, 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 blah. That still didn't erase all that shit in my head going into what I did. Yeah. 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 How do we fucking make a living and fuck up? Yeah. Yeah. That is real. It's not just tied to authenticity and transparency. It's tied to our income and our ability to provide. And that adds a layer that cannot be ignored. Um, Even as I'm struggling with navigating some of the tensions in my own workspace, I am constantly aware of the, um, that tension, right? Um, That desire for income, that, (laughs) that need for resources and the desire to do the work with integrity and where the ego Yet another area in in which the ego comes into play is the sense that I have somehow figured out some shit. And if everybody would just (laughs) see what I see and do as I say they should do, everything would be great. 
And it's really hard to accept the fact that multiple truths can coexist sometimes. Yeah. Um, you and I recently were talking about some work-related stuff, and there is a idealism, <coughs> there's pragmatism, there's pessimism, there's all these isms. Yeah. And what is my... What is my responsibility? What is my calling? What am I best at doing? And is, for instance, like I tend to think of myself largely as somewhere between idealistic and pragmatic. But every time I have to lean into the pragmatic, the ego is like, ooh, you a sellout. Mm. I have to say... And and I hope you cut this out. <laughs> I am so sorry if my snarky ass shitty response to that thing that we you and I were dealing with made you feel that way. I think I'm getting teary eyed just thinking about it. I am so sorry. Well, so but here's the thing. Your And this gets at what I was saying earlier about the retreat stuff. If I hold you in a particular place, then what you have to say and what you think holds a particular weight. And it's because you've earned that space in me. And this goes for anyone that I hold in esteem, right? I don't just put them there because I, (laughs) for no no reason, right? They've earned a place there. And I don't mind the sort of internal battles that can come when what they're naming and seeing differs from mine. Because those are the places where my growth happens the most, right? I think I just need to think about that and take that in. And again, not be paternalistic. Let's, let's, this is important. So let's, let's paint a bigger picture for our listeners in case we keep this in. Delma and his team wanted to do something. There was a denial that occurred. And we were strategizing what to do next. Mm-hmm. And I was, you know, burn the fucking building down was my <laughs> response. <laughs> and his response was not anti burn the building down, but let's pragmatically think about how we can achieve what we're trying to achieve. And so I just want them to have the context because I think this is important. Because it's sure. around relationship, intersectionality, and solidarity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And trying to fucking earn a living. Mm-hmm. This is, this is the fucking consummate example that we're talking about and what this does to people. Mm-hmm. 
The pragmatic is around you trying to get paid, number one. And number two, trying to do the work that's going to make change in people's lives. Mm-hmm. My burn the fucking building down is fuck that. We're not asking. We're telling. Mm-hmm. Right. And neither of those are bad. Mm-mm. And so I, I have to think. I have to I have to listen to what you're saying. Sure. And not take on the my shitty, guilty, immediate response that I have, like, that I'm taking on right now. That I'm so practiced is, at. <laughs> that I know and do very well. Just, I'm so sorry, I can't, I didn't mean to make you feel that way. It's not my fucking fault, is what mm-hmm. you're saying to me. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm mm-hmm. taking it in. Yeah. I mean, in, in the, the thought of fault, as well as the thought of why does why does me feeling pragmatic make me feel bad um or like I'm missing something or I'm selling out all of that shit is egoic yeah it's from the same place it's all from the same it's source it's all from the same place this is fucking hard yeah yeah and we don't have a lot of spaces to practice naming it collectively Mm. And so instead we come for one another or we fall out and just give up. There's a relational piece around solidarity that we need to unpack more. But I really think this went, if you're still listening, you really hung in there through this incredibly (laughs) nuanced, discerning thread. So thank you. Um, And sorry, as we actually just modeled a fucking therapy session. But mm. <laughs> mm. shit. Mm-hmm. Um, That's mighty white of you. <laughs> why? Thank you. I do what I can. Dive in Justice is a co-production of the Center for Whole Communities and Shoreline Consulting. The Center for Whole Communities exists to build capacity at the individual, organizational, and community level to deepen awareness, embrace differences, and value relationships, thus making change possible. Shoreline Consulting co-constructs solutions and strategies that align with your goals and leverages the voices, perspectives, and wisdom of those who stand to benefit. For more information on Center for Whole Communities, find us at wholecommunities.org. For more information on Shoreline Consulting, visit us at thinkshorelines.com. Dive in Justice theme song created by Nasir Thomas Jackson. Original music throughout today's episode created by Dana and Alden. Check out their debut album, Brothers on Spotify. Jenny Cotting helps us out with marketing and promotions. Thank you all so much. Without your effort, this show would not be possible.